fired up for a TED Talk. Um, I don't think TED Talk gets too rockish, but uh, my name is Sean. I'm a brother here in North River. I'm also part of the Intel ministry that's really trying to bring a light to the city of Atlanta. I want to talk about what does it mean for a leadership weekend to be all about God? Right? What does it mean for our lives to be all about God? And I think to me it's all about pleasing God. Um, it's easy for a leadership weekend to really be about a lot of practicals and methodologies. And, and I think those things are great, and I hope you will walk away with some of those things. But every practical that we share and every strategy we use really stems from loving God with our everything. Because otherwise, I think Christianity can be just like a list of practicals, a list of good habits and best practices. And I think that's what Jesus was so fervently against. He was against the traditions of the elders that people put their confidence in and felt self-righteous about. So I say that to say, let's really focus on just pleasing God with our everything. I think I know myself personally can struggle with getting really wrapped up in the strategy and the methodology. Um, and I think God has blessed some of those things that I've tried to do, especially when it comes to evangelism. I'll give you an example. Um, we've, we've got a meetup group going right now that I started to just put all of our stuff online. And it's brought random people that we don't know out to our house church, our midweek services, our, you know, our movie nights and things like that. Um, another example, I gave my dad this weekend. I told him I'd love for him to meet my girlfriend uh, at Mark and Lynn's house. Uh, so hopefully they'll reach out to him. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but um, I think I can put a lot of stock in the methodology and, the, and trying to be strategic. But I really think that God... Um, really is just looking for my heart and my mind and my soul and my strength and because um, I know God makes things grow and so right. when I think about what would he really want what's going to please him I'm going to read a pretty familiar scripture that you know the greatest commandment and I think it's easy for that to be like something we've heard a zillion times and just a box that we check and something that's grown stale but I think the standard of loving God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength is something that we can never fully even obtain and, and that we can always work towards. So um, let's open to Mark 12. Come on. Come on, Sean. We're going to start at verse 28. And I think the reason why Jesus is such a great leader and example to follow is because he did love God with his all and he gave his all. So as we start in Mark 12... Verse 28 says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the, Lo Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the second. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered widely, wisely, he said to them, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So when I've begun Bible studies recently, the last two guys, there's a guy I met at Stone Mountain Park and a guy I met at the gym. This is the scripture that I start with because I think that 
it's easy for us to make it about a practical, like let's read our Bibles every day, which is obviously important. But I think that uh, this really gets to the heart of why we would read our Bible every day. Why would we do anything that we do? And, and a good way, a thing that helps, I think, is that I asked them, both these guys grew up very religious. They've been in church their whole life. And I said, before we read this, I said, do you know what the greatest commandment is? And uh, I got two answers. One was not off the top of my head. And one was, thou shalt not steal. <laughs> and so, starting from that point, I think those two answers are very telling, first of all, but I don't ask that to make people feel stupid. I ask it so that they can see, wow, there's, maybe there's more that I can get out of my Bible that I don't already know from growing up in church my whole life. And um, I think they have to be focused on what is the main motivator for doing all of this stuff that we're doing. It's really loving God. And so when I ask them, if you love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and your strength, would you read your Bible every day? And they're like, yeah, of course I would. Some of them would say, uh, a lot of people frequently say, well, I pray every day. I don't read my Bible, but I pray every day. And I think an analogy that sort of hits home, why would we do, why would we read our Bible every day? As I say, imagine if you were in a relationship and you, you just really poured your heart out to that person every day. And then when they opened their mouth to respond, you just like walked out the door and didn't really listen to what they had to say. And I think that's what it's like for us when we pray and we don't really listen to what God has to say to us. And so I think in that, I'm trying to teach the heart behind it, not just the practical. It's, it's easy to teach a behavior and an action, but I'm really trying to teach people to love God with all their heart. And I think that's something that's a, a little harder to grasp, but, um, but I think it says a lot that, you know, that people wouldn't remember that as the greatest commandment. And I think even though we know it, it can stray from our, the top of our minds as well. And I think it's just as easy for me to get wrapped up in what am I doing and what do I need to do rather than just loving God with all my heart and all my mind and soul and strength. And um, I think, you know, it helps me to really refocus on why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so um, I think that uh, if we're really trying to help people love God, we've got to be motivated by love. And I think that for me, love, loving God with my heart meant such a skewed thing growing up. I thought that loving God with my heart meant that I would go to a church thing and I would get really emotional and I'd have a lot of feelings. And then I'd have church camp counselors that would tell me to pray Jesus into my heart. And we know that, you know, that's not anywhere in the scriptures, but I think that that's what loving Jesus with my heart meant to me up until I really started studying the Bible. And I think as I've grown older, I've realized that I think what Jesus wants for us in loving Him with all our heart is to really remain cut to the heart. Mm -hmm. Because I think that when I um, first started having a real relationship with God, that's obviously where it started, is, um, is being cut to the heart. But I think it's harder to stay that way. It's easy to feel that way at the very beginning. But I think it's easy to, to sort of forget and to lose that. And so, um, and, and to think about myself, who I am now, rather than who Jesus died for. And so when I think about remaining cut to the heart, I think the cross, just like the cross is a picture of the cost of my sin, my life before Jesus is a great picture and a great reminder of, you know, what the price of my sin is. And, um, and I think about how I hurt other people. Um, I think my life, a good example is... Um, 
I can think about my younger brother in high school really just looking up to me and wanting to be around me and wanting to spend time with me and coming down in the basement and I'm really trying to hide the cocaine lines that I'd cut up or the woman that I was being sexually immoral with or whatever it was, I really wanted to hide what I was really doing, what I was really about. And then there were other times when I wasn't trying to hide it and that was even worse. I think about how um, the picture that, that helps me remember why I need God and remain cut to the heart is thinking about how I must have hurt my parents when I was intentionally harming myself or when I got into accidents related to substance abuse and then realizing, wow, I can be cut to the heart about hurting my parents, but I really need to be cut to the heart about how I hurt God at that time. And I think it's really easy to forget. And I think we all have different lives and backgrounds, but it's easy for us to, um, to uh, say, well, I, you know, I wasn't down that far down the road. I can't relate to that. I, I've never been there. But think about who you might be if God hadn't intervened in your life. And so when I try to imagine loving God with all my heart, remaining cut to the heart, I think about where would I be right now if someone didn't go out of their way and reach out to me? And for me, it could have been, you know, waking up with the person I was dating at the time I was studying the Bible. And, and uh, I could have been still going to church, but um, I could have been with somebody who didn't want to pursue a holy life. I could have really been down that trap. I, rem I can remember the image is powerful of this, this woman bawling when I told her I wanted to focus on my relationship with God and uh, telling me I would make such a great husband and father and, and thinking at the time I was really torn as to what to do. But thinking about how lost I would have continued to be had I kept going down that road mm -hmm. helps me to continue on and really be motivated to not think of myself as a really good guy who spends a lot of time doing church stuff, but to think about myself as someone that you know just desperately needs God and thinking about who I could have been had he not intervened. And so um, I think it really burns my heart now to think about people that I run into all the time who go to these huge churches in Atlanta and uh, are probably doing the same thing. And so I think that gives, that emboldens me somewhat to really want to go a little deeper than, oh, you already have somewhere to go to church on Sunday. Amen. You know, I mean, I think that knowing who I could have been sitting in church every Sunday and who God's allowed for me to become really helps me to really want to, like, go deeper with people. Yeah. And, um, and so I say all that to say that loving with all my heart, I think, has got to be so much more than emotions because emotions wax and wane and you have good days and bad days, and I don't want to have bad days where I'm not loving God. I want, I want to be, remain cut to the heart and remain grateful. Um, and I want to convey that with the people I'm trying to lead and the people I'm trying to lead to Jesus because if I just teach the practical and I don't help them with their heart turned towards God, then I'm really just, just they could be in a, in, a, in a club or in a, you know, a, some type of group that's not focused on, you know, a God that's as powerful as our God. So, um, when I think about um, when it comes to being, uh, you know, loving God with all my soul, I think about, you know, the soul is eternal. We make, so, we, make, we make the analogy that baptism was like saying I do to God, and we think about it like a marriage, which is good. But if you think about marriage, marriage is only for this life. Like we put so much emphasis on marriage and dating and things like that. But being with God is eternal. And so loving God with all my soul means really trying to live a life 
that's focused on eternity and focused on loving Him eternally and uh, focusing my mind on things above. I, I can't even imagine what Paul felt when he said that to live is Christ and to die is to gain. That basically dying would mean he got to be with God. Like I think it's really hard to relate to that, having such an eternal perspective because there are so many things that I can get wound up in on this earth. And so to me, having an eternal perspective and really loving God with all my soul and my eternity means spending my time helping people with their eternity rather than doing what I feel like doing in a given moment that feels good for right now and on this earth. And so um, that's another thing that I really want to try to to lead people with is to the people that I'm helping that are in the church or the people that I'm helping out of the church to really see things that loving God with all of your soul means having an eternal mindset. 1 Peter 2.11 says that fleshly lusts wage war against our soul. Galatians 5.17 says the flesh opposes the spirit. And I think being too focused on comfort and pleasure in this life take away from being focused on being with God forever. So a good practical and a good question to ask yourself is what comforts do you cherish the most in your life? And are they keeping you from helping others? Because I think an eternal perspective really means focusing on the only thing we can leave this earth with, and that's the impact we have on others eternally. Um, and I think God wants all of our mind, too. Uh, you know, Romans tells us to have a renewed mind, and 2 Corinthians tells us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. But to me, my mind connects with God, and I give Him all my mind the most when I'm in prayer. And um, I think it's amazing how much you get to know somebody when you pray with them. You know, like everything that's going through their mind and the things that they may not always say. Um, And so one thing we've done that I think has been really great is to start meeting in the mornings before work, all the guys who live in Midtown, and really just spending time in prayer before we go to work because there are a lot of things that uh, can can bring out the unspiritual side of me at work. And so um, it's, it's really refreshing to be able to be with men who are willing to just share their thoughts and what's going through their mind and, uh, and, and be able to connect with God at the same time. So um, I think for my life to be all about God, my prayer life should be all about God. I think my prayer life can quite easily be all about me. But God makes it pretty clear there are things that we can pray for that He wants us to pray for that are in the Bible. And so an obvious example is to pray for His will to be done. You know, Jesus says that he already knows what we need before we ask. But, you know, there are a lot of other scriptures that talk about prayer. And when I really think about it, I don't know that I pray these things that often. Um, you know, Jesus prays, tells us to pray for more workers, for the harvest. And Paul in Ephesians 1, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Ephesians 3 goes on to give more sort of specific prayers. Paul's praying, he says that, uh, he prays that they will be rooted in and established in love and they have the power together with all Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
And I think, wow, it's easy for me to pray about just like the things that I want or that I'm striving towards or that I hope God will do in my life. But I can really learn from what, you know, Paul or Jesus or even David, the things that they said when they cried out to God. I mean, it's such a deeper prayer to think, to ask God to help me to understand how long and high and deep his love is. That's something that I could pray every day and still not fully even comprehend the depth of his love. So... The final type of all that I'm trying to give God and I'm trying to convey to the people that I lead and and the people that I'm trying to help become Christians is that God wants all of our strength. And so strength to me, I think can easily mean like physical force and effort. Like for me, I've always, I think, hung my hat on the amount of effort I put into something, right? Like I've played football as a kid and I was, you know, the coaches would say the same thing every year. They're like, we got people who are bigger People are faster, but nobody wants it as bad. And so I can think that, man, if I just try hard enough, I can really be effective with, you know, whatever it is, evangelism or helping others. And But the truth is, I think my flesh is weak. And, uh, you know, Paul said that God's power is made perfect in his own weakness. And so I think that God, instead of, you know, part of giving him all of my strength means letting him be my strength. I think it's exhausting trying to pursue all the things that I want to pursue as a young professional, and it's easy to get entangled in those things. Um, we've been talking about in our sort of in-town group, um, we've been having midweeks in someone's home, and it's a little smaller, and it's mostly young professionals, and we've been talking about, you know, really all the things that we can get wrapped up trying to build and putting our strength towards as young professionals, like, you know, your career and, you know, your relationship and all the different things we're trying to do. And I definitely have a lot of goals that I'm hoping God will bless um, for me in my career and my relationship and a band I'm playing in that I'm really trying to use. Um, I'm actually going to put this talk on our band's website so that like people that I meet, you know, when I play music, maybe they'll hear this or uh, anyway, uh, or, or use the, use my band to donate money to Hope or, you know, there's we've got a lot of Bible studies going on right now. I had two really amazing guys get baptized recently and want to be able to walk with them. And there's so many things that I really want to work towards that it can be tough to balance. And I feel like I don't have enough strength. Um, but I have to remember that they're all sort of sub goals that fall under the main goal of pleasing God. Yeah. It can be really easy to feel a lot of pressure from all of those things. But really, it takes the pressure off when I realize it's not really as much about the result as it is about my heart, my mind, and soul and strength being fully surrendered to God. Because Mm -hmm. really, if I'm worried about pleasing God, I'm not quite so worried about the result because I think he's going to take care of the result. And um, I have to remember that it's him that makes things grow. It's not my own strength. But at the same time, I think the seed analogy is so interesting because he's the one who makes things grow, but we still got to do something, right? Right. You still got to plant something. And... um, um, and I think it's it's that balance just really shows me that like I have to do something, but I'm not sort of at pressure of the result. And I can honestly get pretty worn out by people. I'm not naturally a people person. Uh, my mom jokes that when I was a kid, I would invite my friends over from school for 30 minutes, and I'd play with them for 30 minutes, and then I'd introduce them to my younger brother and like go do something by myself. <laughs> so being a Christian has been a, a big transition for me. But, uh, but I think about it like people can really wear me out, and I could really easily be worn out by people. 
I mean, I think probably for every person that comes to church, there's about 30 people that I could choose to feel rejected by or to feel like, man, it's, it's, it's not working, God, or, you know, why, why am I this ineffective? But I think when it comes to something like evangelism, you know, I think that if I want it bad enough with, with pure motives, God's going to make it grow. And I think sometimes even if, uh, you know, I don't have the right heart in that moment or I don't have, you know, any effort, sometimes God makes it happen anyway. And, um, and so uh, to love God with all my strength to me really means to not grow weary. Um, it's, uh, there's so many things I think can wear me out. Evangelism. Um, is something that is probably the least comfortable part of my Christian life. I mean, I don't, I don't really enjoy being rejected by people. But at the same time, if I really believe that I found the truth and that most people are out there dying spiritually, right. it would be wicked to not push through being tired or being uncomfortable or That's being right. fear, afraid of rejection right. to really strive to want to help people. And I know that it's not going to be in my own strength, but I know that if I give God all of my own strength, He's going to make me strong. And so um, I'm really excited that all of you are here. I think we've had so many people come in from out of town, which I'm really grateful for. And I know we're going to have an amazing time this weekend. Um, and I think, you know, we're going to learn to be more effective leaders and, you know, grow our singles ministries or even for some of us probably build a singles ministry. And I think all those things are really worthy goals. But I pray that even if you don't leave here with a single practical or strategy or methodology, you leave here wanting to and learning how to love God even more and deeper and be blown away by Him even more. Because I think if we love God that deeply, I think that everything else He's going to take care of. And so... Um, Excited to hear uh, hear a song here if you're ready. Um, you got it? Let's go. All right. Thanks, John.